I know intimately what conditions they're suffering, the state of the submersible, how cold it is, how tight it is, how uncomfortable. And uh, it pains me deeply to think of them gasping for air as, as the clock runs out on them. So it's a very painful time. Ugh, yuck. Pains a lot of us, I think, because it's so scary. But that is the voice of Alfred Hagen, who has been to the Titanic twice in one of these uh, submersibles including one last year. So very few have an idea of what this would be like, but the uh, clock is definitely ticking down to the final hours of uh, oxygen for the five people trapped, I guess, somewhere in the, the mid-Atlantic. And, um, of course, we know by now, it went missing during a dive down to the wreck. And the five aboard, this British billionaire adventurer, a British businessman and his son, a legendary expert of the Titanic, and the CEO of the company's Oceangate uh, expedition. They're on this thing. And uh, up until now, um, we haven't really heard anything. Over the night, though, there seemed to be some sounds heard on sonar. Whether or not they have, if this is them, we don't know if the thing is still intact. But they will run out of oxygen, apparently, uh, at Thursday, 5 a.m. So are we going to get good news today? I don't know. Let me bring in former Vice Admiral Mark Norman to this conversation, also with uh, Canadian Global Affairs Institute, where he's a senior defense strategist. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Alex, to you and your listeners. Yeah, there's very few that would understand, like, what's going on with this. I know every time you talk about this story, it's like, oh, I would, I couldn't do it. Like, I just could not be down there. But what... What would be, what would this be like uh, for days uh, kind of under this kind of pressure? Well, honestly, I, I couldn't imagine it. Um, and uh, as, as you've heard from that clip you played earlier, um, you know, we're talking something the size of a, a minivan, mm-hmm. uh, five people. Um, the, the temperature, if they've lost power, basically, um, the, the ability to sustain any kind of warmth would be um, non-existent. And at those uh, depths, um, the temperatures would be uh, basically winter temperatures uh, inside that inside that vessel. But, you know, as you said, uh, the search is ongoing, and, and there was some um, potentially positive news overnight with this... Um, this possible sound, the tapping, as it's being reported by some American sources. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone's hoping kind of, I think, for that fantasy, good news, kind of make a movie story ending. Um, I'm not sure we're going to get that. One of those on board, I'm sure you know, is Paul-Henri Nargelo, the veteran pilot. Um, He he apparently um, is the guy that you would want. He is, if you hear people talk about him, he's like a calming psychological gyroscope. That's how he's described. Um, And he would be holding it together. They say that is key, that you have to keep calm in these situations. I don't know many, uh, Vice Admiral, who would be able to keep their crap together in a situation like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly, I think, you know, there's so many issues playing out here. um, And it's hard not to um, imagine the the absolute terror that these people are feeling. And, um, you know, I really don't want to dwell on it. But, yes, somebody with that kind of extensive experience underwater, um, multiple dives, I think that that sort of thing would be helpful. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, ultimately they need to conserve their oxygen consumption. Um, they need to maintain uh, their their warmth if, if if it's at all possible, and if they if in fact they are uh, banging on the hull of 
of the submersible. If they can continue to do that, mm. that will provide a mechanism by which the search crews can start to localize them. Because this is not an exact science. Right. Um, even the fact that they've got some possible sound sources, they can sort of localize it and triangulate it. But now you're looking at, uh, rather than being five times the city of Toronto, mm. we're now looking at a, a specific neighborhood in Toronto that we can start to look at. And then, of course, they need these robotic uh, under underwater uh, vessels to, to do a more detailed search. And then, of course, on top of that, then we have the time challenge associated with, okay, so let's assume uh, we're lucky, we can find them. Um, then we've got to actually uh, get a, a lift capability attached to them and then bring them to the surface. So this is a, this is a very, very complicated operation yeah. um, and time is certainly not on their side. Yeah, and even if they were able to survive, assuming this didn't blow up, I mean, who knows what kind of uh, damage or uh, uh, whether it's cold pressure, who knows what kind of variables that they, they would face. I don't know if you've ever been down in one of these little things. They're not called submarines. I mean, they've got their own little name, but there had been concerns, I guess, with this thing um, that it was just too experimental. And I guess the governing body um, didn't feel that the Titan was sound enough to go that deep. So there had been these warnings that, you know, at some point it would not be able to withstand the pressure and might, uh, you know, blow up. Had you, do you know much about this? Well, I only know what's being reported uh, as, as you're reading and hearing. Um, and, you know, uh, on a personal level, I have difficulty even calling this thing a submarine. Right. Um, it, a submersible, sure. Um, yes, I'm, I'm reading and seeing the same things. And, and you know, this is... Like, this is an absolutely um, uh, dangerous and um, unforgiving environment. Yeah. Um, there is no, there's no margin for error here. And, and so, um, you know, and this is why anything, anything to do with uh, deep diving, submersible, submarines, the, the levels of uh, engineering, the scrutiny, the checks, uh, the safety regimes associated with them are are remarkable, um, and they're there for good reason. Um, and uh, you know, it's uh, let, let's hope that there's a positive outcome. Um, I suspect that uh, you know, as this plays out, um, these kinds of issues are going to become um, more uh, talked about uh, going forward. Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, the ticket alone, 300 grand if you're a Canadian, very expensive. And I guess people do go into this knowing there's a danger uh, to it. And we certainly get value to the history, uh, albeit um, some a lot of people say, leave, leave the Titanic alone, just let it rest. Um, but even the cost of the search is huge. Is this the, is this the end of this kind of tour in your mind? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how a regime could be imposed. Uh, to to restrict it and of course as we fast forward in time you know technology people are going to try and do this kind of at the end of it you're never going to stop people from being adventurous and uh, wanting to live on the edge whether that's um, jumping out of airplanes uh, going into space or or in this case uh, going to the bottom of the ocean in the middle of the atlantic Um, you know i (laughs) I, like many of your listeners, I'm sure uh, I'm shaking my head uh, at a lot of this. Mm. Um, and you're right. And, and the comment you made with respect to the just the sheer scale and scope of um, 
the search effort. And, and okay, fine. It is five people um, whose lives are at stake here. And, you know, the, the protocols for safety at life at sea, I mean, they're well established and, and you just, you do everything you possibly can to save life. And that's the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, that, that this, that there's a, there's an asymmetry to this um, that I think uh, will probably be the subject of some discussion um, after, after uh, this is resolved one way or another. Yeah. Uh, just before I let you go, Vice Admiral, um, I mean, I know you know your way around a ship or two. Uh, would you be at all interested in going down on one of these things, given what you know about the water and ships and uh, this little thing? Absolutely not. Uh, I've uh, I, I've spent a few days uh, in submarines, uh, enjoyed it um, uh, to the extent that. Oh, no, it's like a cliffhanger. And uh, I, I, I. I can't even imagine this on, on many levels. But, hey, you know, um, some people think this is exciting, and that's not my thing. That's no, for not, sure. no, not my thing. Either. All right. Well, I'm glad we got the reception with you. Thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate your insight. All right. All the best, Alex, to you and your listeners. Have a good day. You as well. That's Vice Admiral Mark Norman. I, I'm with him. I love ships. I'll go on ships all day long. I would never, I would ne- you could give me the ticket. I'm not going. I'm not interested. I, do, I, I think the thing that we're so interested in this story is because, like, you just think of what, like, the five people. Who, you'd have to think, would I want to be with these five people? And, and what's it like after five days, four days, like, people are throwing up, people are farting, people can't eat. I don't know what they're doing. And are you arguing? Are you, I, I don't know what they're doing. Assuming they're alive. But it would be a night, it would be a nightmare. The claustrophobia alone. Ugh. It'd be so scary. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think it's a very, I hope for good news, but I do think it's, it's, uh, they, it's almost like they've got everything against them. And I didn't even factor in the cold. I didn't realize. I thought maybe there's a, maybe there's a heater on this little thing. I don't know. Don't they have blankets? I don't know. But I didn't think, oh, my God, I never even thought. It's cold down there. Yeah, you don't think of these things.